you're watching HCCTV, where home is where the heartland is. Tanya are looking for a change. Let's see if we can't make the inside match their outside. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Brad. I'm a professional cat photographer. Uh, this is my wife, Tanya. At teacher Tanya underscore eight six five seven. She's a kindergarten teacher. Hashtag the children are our future. Our budget is five million. And just heads up. I need everyone around me to change because not happening. Well, good morning, Heartland. As always, it is great to gather together now in this new year. So whether you're on site here and you got, oh, you woke up and took a shower and wore your Sunday best, it's great to see you. For those of you at home still in your PJs with a warm cup of coffee, I can't see you, but I know you're there. And it is just great to be together. Well, how many of you out there are home improvement like reality TV junkies? Anyone out there? Just love those shows. What about the Fixer Upper? Any Fixer Upper fans? Yeah, good, good. What about Property Brothers? Oh, groaners, at least in the room. For me, one of my favorite, we'd have to jump back kind of old school. What about this one? Home Improvement. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Arr, 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 arr. Yeah, <laughs> I wish you were here because we've got lots of, you know, tool time junkies here in this room. Well, we lived through 2020, and it was a hard year for many businesses and industries, but an industry that's just been booming has been the home improvement industry, hasn't it? HGTV has been the recipient of a lot of that boom. They are up 22% in viewership, and in prime time, 1.3 million of us tune in to these shows and others. And I think for the rest of us who live real lives, it sort of piqued our interest in, yeah, we've got some things around our house that need fixed up and the like. And so what we know is three out of four households have undertaken a home improvement project in the pandemic. And we're spending a lot of money to do so. The national average is about 13 grand last year went into our homes, which is up 50% or so from the previous year. And so home improvement or uh, Home Depot's really appreciative. Third quarter earnings up 25%. Last year, at least through three quarters, uh, through third quarter, $15 billion of our revenue that we've just handed to them. And it begs the question for me, why? What is it about this time that makes this home improvement craze just, you know, in our, our culture? And clearly, a big part is that we're home a lot more. And so we're aware of the problems that have always been there. They're just right in front of our face all the time, right? Isn't that part of it? But I think maybe there's a deeper reason. In, in a world and in a day like we experienced in 2020, there was so much that was out of our control, wasn't there? 
But when it came to fixing up our surroundings, we felt a measure of control and and thought maybe if we improved our living situations, those we lived with might be less annoying or the problems we're experiencing at work or wherever else would subside if we could just kind of fix our inner world. I think that's possible. And so it's caused us around here to kind of look at the question, what would it look like to begin this year bringing home improvement projects not to our surroundings and our living spaces, but to our lives and our relationships. Because the reality is we've been able, if you're like me and my family and and my friends, so much time together is revealing some problems under our roof, in our home. And when I look in the mirror, If I'm honest, I have to say, I feel far more equipped to do DIY projects on the house than I do in my life, in my relationships, in my world, in my soul. Would you agree with that? And so in this series today and throughout the next few weeks, we're just going to be asking the questions. What do you do when you want to bring improvements to your life and your relationships to the world you live in, but you don't know where to start? What do you do when the problems you feel least equipped to fix are your own? And what if, as you look in the mirror, the fixer-upper opportunity is staring you back in the face? What do we do with that? Is this what God has for us? What do he have dreams for us of more? See, at Heartland and, and in the scriptures, we believe that God has a grand design, yes, for the world and for the future, but for our lives as well. We might call that an interior design, and that's the focus of our series. And today I want to take us to one of my favorite passages. It's found in Romans chapter 12, um, as it unpacks a little more fully what we looked at last week, where Jesus said, the Father and I will make our home in you. Of all the places the God of the universe could dwell, he chooses to live, to reside within you and I. And as we looked at last week, Our hearts are Christ's home, and he loves his home. He's pretty impressed with the digs he lives in, in you and I, even with our quirks and our foibles and the cracks in our foundation. And he loves us enough not to leave us the way we are. And so today I want to focus on what does it look like to renovate our lives from the inside out because it's a collaborative process between the Spirit of God in our lives. And so it would really help us to know what's God's job and what's my job. What are the things you and I can do and what are the things that only he can do on our behalf? And Paul begins to unpack that for us. It's Romans chapter 12. Uh, you could turn there if you want and then take one page back or scroll back in your scriptures because Paul does something really profound. Now, if you've read the book of Romans, it's not an easy book to follow. It's Paul's longest and most theological book. He's he's like a great lawyer or orator laying out the, the reasons we have hopes in Jesus. And so he has 11 chapters of pen and quill just saying, God has a plan for humanity. We've fallen, but God entered time and space. He came to his people, Israel. He came through Jesus. And though sin affects everything, through Christ, we can have new lives in him. 
as the Spirit awakens us from the inside out. And he's so excited about this. And for 11 chapters, he's just given us all the stuff we need to know and know and know. And he's talking a mile a minute. And finally, at the end of chapter 11, he pauses. He breathes. He's about to tell us, based upon all this, what do you do? What's our part? But he can't even get there yet because he's just so overwhelmed with gratitude. We might call it worship of God. And here's the way chapter 11 ends. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. And so to him be all glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he continues, therefore. When you're reading the scripture, a little like scripture hack is when the word therefore is there, just ask what's it there for? And for Paul, it's 11 chapters of the goodness and greatness and love of God. So therefore, based upon all he has done without our input or support, based on that, I urge you, Paul says, this is the strongest possible encouragement. He's pleading, he's commanding, because God did this. Now you and I, we should do this. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, hold on here. We, we came into this building or we're tuning in online and we just sang for about 25 or 30 minutes. Was that worship? Of course, that was worship. But God has plans beyond an hour on Sunday. God has designs for our lives that we would know him and worship him and serve him 24-7, 365. And so when we do these things, God is given honor and glory as he continues. As we give true and proper worship, it tells us some important things. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead... Be transformed. That's significant. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, what he's up to, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Do you want to know his purposes for you and for me and for our church and for our community and for our world? how we can not just survive the days of the pandemic, but even thrive? Do you want to see God bring much improvement that's needed in your life, in your relationships, under your own roof, in your workplace? Do you want to see that happen? Do you want to see God show up and fix it and renovate your life and mine in the new year? Well, here's the deal, and this is really important. Those fixes won't come from the outside in. Scriptures are very clear. Those changes happen from the inside out. Are you with me? This is what Paul is talking about here. This is the life of faith in Jesus. 
This is why God has great hopes, not just for the world, but for my life and yours as well. See, we kind of, it's human nature to assume and to hope and expect that, hey, a change in our environment or circumstances or situation, if those things would change, our lived experience would be better. Or if the people around us who are bothering us so much would change, our lives would be better. Or if we could find a solution or a cure or a vaccine, the things that ail our world would dissolve. And while I hope and expect for those things eventually, they're not going to fix the problems, the deeper problems that ail our souls. Because God wants to do a renovation project in your life and mine. And that's a work that happens not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And here's the deal. For you and I, it's a collaboration effort. We have a role to play and God has a role to play and this passage spells that out for us. And so it's my hope and joy and expectation that from these scriptures, I might be able to help us understand some of those things. What are the things that only God can do and what are the things that you and I can partner with along the way? Four things. First idea from these passage that we can take away is just to count your blessings. Count your blessings. You see, blessing us is God's job. Remembering and counting his blessings, that's on us. Now, you may look at that and you may think, well, well wait a minute. Does, does this just mean God's like required to, to bless us or he's beholden to, to giving us everything we want? Not in the least, as we saw in that passage, the end of chapter 11, what has anyone done that God should repay him? We, like, we are not entitled to anything, and that's what's so good about the generous nature of God. He cannot help but bless. He cannot help but overflow. That's in his nature. That's why Paul spent 11 chapters saying, here's all that God has done. Everything is for him, from him, of, thing, of him, and he just lavishes that out upon us time and time again. Blessing us, all that we've been given, that's his job. And he does not fail at his job. The miss is that sometimes we miss it. That we fail to remember and to count the many blessings that God has given us. That's why Paul begins, therefore, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, in view of God's great mercy, because of his many blessings, remember that. Be thankful for that. Count that. How are you doing at being thankful in this season for the many blessings of God? How are you doing at that? For me, I've been a little hit and miss for much of the year. And I was reflecting on that at the family farm after Christmas for about 48 hours. We went south of Wichita to the Davidson family farm. And my mom encouraged and challenged us to write down a thousand things we're thankful for. She had begun that process. She had not finished, but she invited us to help her. And we tried to do that. And I got to tell you, not only as we were reflecting on that process, doing it, walking in the woods, the, the, the beautiful things that we had just been given. I was thinking about this passage. I was thinking about, you know, God's goodness. It's not, um, it's not a, an entitlement of us, but it is our inheritance. 
We're not entitled to these things, but as his sons and daughters, we inherit the goodness and the blessings of God. So we need to remember that. It's his job to bless us. It's our job to remember. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, now do this, second thing, to offer your bodies. We might say to offer our lives back to God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Two things are happening here. First, Paul is saying, hey, if, you're, if Jesus is at home in you, if you are the residence of God, that makes you a church. That makes you a temple, a place of worship. That's the first thing he's saying. But he's also saying your life should be like Jesus because Jesus lived and Jesus became a willing sacrifice. The reason we have all the blessings and benefits we have is because of the love of the Father exhibited by the grace of his Son, giving his life to set us free. And so as we count our blessings, perhaps chief of that is remembering that God himself, that Jesus offered his body as a sacrifice. Sacrificing his life for us was Jesus' job. And so, therefore, offering our lives back to him in return, that's ours. Jesus gave everything for us, so he's asking us to offer our lives, our bodies back to God. Well, how, how do we do that? How does that look practically? Well, the reality is there are a thousand small examples of choosing to honor God instead of gratifying yourself, of choosing to love someone else, to put them ahead of you instead of your interests. But if I could offer you two ideas that I think would be the right place to start of offering our lives back to God in view of all that he's done for us, it would be this. First, get to know what God's word says and then do it. The good thing is you don't have to have read it cover to cover you don't have to know all that it says. All you have to do is get to know of the things he says and then do the things you know. That's a way we can offer our lives to God. Get to know what is, he says and then just do that. Second idea, learn to listen to the Spirit of God. Learn to listen to the Spirit of God. Some of us, maybe we're comfortable that, with that idea and we've learned to be guided by likely not an audible voice, but his movement in a number of ways. But if this is a new idea to you, just let me change it a little bit. Learn to listen to the voice of your conscience. That's the place to start. We know that God has set eternity in our hearts and he speaks to us right and wrong of things that we just know. So, Learn to listen by God's spirit, at least via your conscience, and do that. If we're doing those things, that puts us in a position to learn and be transformed by God. Jesus has made it possible by giving his life for us. That was his job. We couldn't do it. But our job is to offer everything we know of ourselves, little or much, back to him. 
Paul continues, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is critical. Don't conform, but be transformed. Our job is resisting being conformed to the world. That's our job. Finding ways to resist the patterns, the ways that are just happening all around us, many of which we're not even privy to. It's God's job to transform our lives. We can't do it. That's the way the language works. You don't conform, you and I, but we can be transformed. That's the work of God in our lives. We can't change our lives but we can put ourselves in a position where the Spirit of God does his work in us. We resist being conformed to the world. And we allow God to do his work in us. How does that happen? Again, there's a thousand small ways, deeply personal, about loving God, loving others. I'd remind us of the two things I just shared. If you want to know what it's like to not conform to the patterns of the world, get to know what God's word says and then do that. There's a lot of it that's really clear. If we learn to listen to the voice of God's spirit, at least by way of our conscience, we will have done most of the work in not conforming to the world, at least the things that we know. But I would add this. If you're trying to do those things and you're still trying to figure it out as we all are, ask the spirit of God to reveal to you the patterns of this world. And I would believe that he'll do so. It's everywhere. There are patterns in Facebook and posting on social media that are ways of the world. There are patterns in our families, extended family of things we talk about and things we don't talk about. We spend most of our lives just going with the flow of the world being conformed to it. But when God's spirit lives within us, when we're getting to know his word and understanding the work of his spirit, when we're doing our best to offer our lives to him as best we know and placing ourselves in a position for him to change us from the inside out, we'll begin to know. The world's going one way. I need to go the other way. And as we do that, God does his work in us. We couldn't do it in ourselves, but he does that in us. Only God can do it, but we can help. That's sort of this motto I've been thinking about. You know, the Home Depot, you can do it, we can help. No, only God can do it, but we as individuals can collaborate and partner with the Spirit of God. And we as a church community, there are things that only God can do in our lives collectively and individually, but we can help as well. And that's what this series is all about. Next week, we'll continue from this passage talking about what does it look like to be renewed in our minds, in our ways of thinking. So join us every week this year, if you can, on-site, online. Start with the six or seven weeks in this series. We think that will help you for the next, uh, next year and uh, for God to build upon your life from there. We also equip you through the Journey Devotional, a daily reading where you could grow in scripture and prayer, and our conversation cards, where from today's message, you can grab a friend or two and talk about these things in more detail. That's a way that we can help what God wants to do in you. And there's another way 
we're excited that here in a few weeks, we're going to launch another round of the Emotional Healthy Relationships course. So many of us want to change our circumstances, which means change the people around us. The premise of this course is God wants to change us from the inside out to make us emotionally healthy. That'll improve our relationships. And so that starts uh, in a couple weeks on a Tuesday night. It's by Zoom only. It's at 8 p.m. so that those with families can get kids to bed. But we'd love to encourage you to be part of that. We believe God has used it and will continue to use it in your lives and mine to help us change from the inside out. Therefore, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then there's a result. Then then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Friends, it's not your job to figure out God's will. It's not your job to fix up your life. It's not your job to have it all figured out. Bringing about God's will for your lives is his job. Your job? Discovering living into, passing along that same transforming love. That's not just your job, but that's our joy. And that is worked out in the process. This is a, a pretty challenging passage to understand. And believe me, it's been a difficult one to figure out how do I communicate? It's something I'm passionate about. How can I communicate this transforming thing in ways that we can hear and apply and understand? And as I was just wrestling with that over the last 24 hours, I just felt like God was saying, hey, listen to your own sermon. Only I can do that. <laughs> but it's your joy today to be part of helping with that. And I didn't have the way I wanted to conclude the message until this morning, and it came from one of the most unlikely places. It came from HGTV. Any of you fixer-upper fans out there? I hadn't been following this story very long, but there's some beautiful parallels in, in what I've been sharing that, that as I heard their testimony, what they have to say, Chip and Joanna Gaines, there's some really encouraging things about it. It's a very uplifting show, their relationship. And what you may not know is there's a strong commitment stated in their faith and family in Jesus Christ as the foundation of their lives. And of course, just like everyone, we're imperfect people. But for Chip, that started early when at age one, his mother was at a Billy Graham crusade, gave her life to Jesus and that changed the trajectory of his family so much so that he had the opportunity to grow up with Billy Graham's grandkids. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And he even got to spend part of a summer living with Billy Graham's son-in-law. And during that experience, Chip has said, that challenged me to process what God was doing in my life and train my mind into God's truth, living out these things we've been talking about. I learned so much from him, not because he knew everything, but because they talked the talk and walked the walk. Joanna also had a faith growing up, and when they got married, they, they enjoyed uh, their, their faith and enjoyed their family, and Joanna had a dream. 
And her dream was not to be an HGTV star. Her dream was to have a little shop, a home decorating shop called Magnolia Market. And eventually that dream became a reality. But as they were about to have their second child, things just weren't working out. Didn't seem like God's will was for them was to be that busy going in that many directions. And so she had learned to cultivate what it was like to hear from and respond to God. And she felt like God was saying, hey, it's time for you to close the shop. She didn't understand why this was the case. I mean, like God had put that in her heart. He'd opened those sorts of doors like his will didn't make sense. He said, but she said, but God, I, I had a dream for this. And she felt like God was saying, I have dreams for you too. And if you trust me with your dreams, I'm going to take you further than you could ever dream. So just trust me. So she did. She said, Chip, hey, we're closing the shop. And that led into kind of a couple-year journey. If we're just using the metaphor I've been offering, that was kind of like an interior design journey for her, not knowing what was next. But during that time, God did some of his best work. In one of her articles that I read, said, God taught me to study the word and to believe it. Even when it hadn't been fulfilled yet, I really had to cultivate a place of faith that I never had before. I had to trust him as he would speak his promise to me. How many of you feel like we're in that place? I have dreams, I have desires, but they're not fulfilled yet. What do I do? Well, we trust him and allow that to unfold. And then she says, this brought me peace, although my circumstances hadn't yet reflected his promise. His word doesn't ever return void, and God was working in my heart to establish deeper levels of trust that I now look back and am thankful for. Well, after that process, after a couple years, at just the right time, they just did a short little video sort of pilot that then got picked up on national networks and now 24 million people tune in because God had bigger dreams for them than they could have had for themselves. My promise to you is not that you will have an HGTV show or that things will work out exactly like you want, but my promise is when we do these things that we see in Romans chapters one and two, when we learn to count our blessings because God has been so lavish upon us, when we're able to offer everything we know of, our God, of ourselves as best we know to God, being thankful for what he's done for us, when we can cultivate what it looks like to not conform to the world's ways, but allow God's work to change us from the inside out. We know that he's working not just behind the scenes, but in our inner world helping us become the men and women he wants us first to be so that we can do the things he's asking us to do. It's not an outside-in journey. It's an inside-out journey. And so Joanna Gaines ended the article in this way. Our family has made a commitment to put Christ first, to keep our marriage and family centered around God. I can look back now at the pattern of my life I really believe God has a purpose for me. And he also has a purpose for you. Heartland, don't take those words from Joanna Gaines. <laughs> but take those from your heavenly father who loves you. I have dreams. I have plans. I have a purpose for you. You're not just a fixture upper. You're not a, a lost cause. 
I want to change you from the inside out. Will you join this invitation? Only God can do that. But you have a role to play. And at Heartland, we're here to help. So come back and enjoy and experience as we go on this journey together of seeing God's interior design at work in each of us and in all of us collectively. We in for that? Awesome. Well, great to be together until we meet again. I pray that God will bless you and keep you, that he will make his face to shine upon you, that the Lord will be gracious to you, turning his countenance upon you and give you his peace. It's in the name of Jesus that I say go. Have a great week.